You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. In today's program, Father Paul stresses that it is the text itself, not the person hearing it, that makes connections within the story. I am delighted to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Jacob said to them, my brothers, where do you come from? They said, we are from Haran. There we go. And then the conversation, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? Yes, we know him. Is it well with him? Yes, it is well with him. And it is not time for the animals to be gathered together, water the sheep and go pasture them. But they said, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered together. And the stone is rolled from the mouth of the well, then we water the sheep. Okay, interesting how you have this shepherd mentality of the oneness of the totality. The bits and pieces are part of a totality that's very important. Paul has a lengthy passage on that, that we are members of one body. Very impressive. Because you have to move the stone and put it back. You cannot go back and forth and back and forth. So you wait for all the flocks to be here. You order them and then... While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep for she kept them, the sheep. But when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother... Jacob went up and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. And Jacob told Rachel and so on that he was his kinsman, Rebekah's son. And all this is in preparation to stress the fact that Laban is the same one to whom was sent Abraham's servant for Isaac. But things are going to turn around. When Laban had to her, he said in 14, Surely you are my bone and my flesh, which remind you of Genesis. Okay? The same family. Remember how in Genesis 2 that she is born upon her flesh. That's why the man will leave and cleave to his wife. He will be glued to her. Very powerful. It's a word that is used by Paul in 1 Corinthians 6. But here it is just plainly, basically, my bone and flesh. Asmi ubasari. It's classic. I mean, you still hear it in the Middle East. Actually, we have another expression in Arabic that is, uh, you are from the bones of my neck. Your neck holds your head. This is the closest to you. 
You see, Arabs go for the head, not so much for the North American heart. It's the lab here is. So if you are one of the bones of my neck, because they are very impressive. I mean, if you know your anatomy, that it holds entirely the head. Okay, since you are my kinsman, you will stay with me. And kinsman, again, in the Hebrew means my brother. These texts are very important to explain to the people in the West that my brother doesn't mean my brother. It's like in English, you have the brother and then you have the cousin and you have the second cousin and the third cousin and the fourth cousin. We don't use this in the Middle East. Either you're a brother or a cousin. Cousin is a little bit farther. Brother is closer. That's it. And notice the trick. It's a really ingenious text. Should you therefore serve me for nothing? He's luring him to serve him. That's the beginning of the play on Abad. That should not be allowed. Technically, it should be accepted, but then he asks him about the wages, which is very interesting in Hebrew. Let's say a few words about it, because John will play on that in his story with the Samaritan woman. Maskurteka. The root is the verb sakar. In Arabic we have it. Sakhara means to put you to work for not a very good hire. It's classic. I mean, you get a payment, but it's not to the level of and this is reflective of the word that if you don't know the story of Jacob, you'll never figure out why in the story of the Samaritan woman, and you have a reference to the well of Jacob and so on. And suddenly the name of the town is Sichar, which doesn't make sense in the Greek. If you don't know the original story. Let's comment, because it's interesting to know that, where the whole development of the story in John, that the woman was enslaved to five husbands. She served them, and so on. That is the play on Sihar, and Jesus liberates her with the message of the gospel and the five husbands is viewed as the Torah. It's an extremely rich text. I don't want to enter into it. I want just to point out that the connection with this slavery, servitude, is very important and is to be heard in the story of John. And then suddenly the story moves to how Laban is playing on hiring him for a lesser pay. As I told you, this is the meaning of the verb Sahara in Arabic. 
And what is interesting for my case is that irony in Arabic is sukhriyat, which is the same root. It's in the root, the connection. Because God is using here, or the Lord is using Laban to teach Jacob a lesson that he cannot if he used earlier that you are the God of Abraham and of Isaac, you see the function now, in other words, I cornered you, O God. Isaac came here and you were nice to, I mean, he didn't come, but you were nice to him. And now it's going to be the same thing since we have the same name, Laban and Rebecca and so on. It's a fantastic story, but, you know, theology messes it up. Actually, it gloss over it. When have you last heard someone talking like this about this text? But in the original, and if you know really the meaning of the original Semitic, you'll get it. You'll get it. That Laban is already planning to use Jacob. Perhaps Jacob doesn't know, but you, the hearer of the story, in these words, begin guessing that it's not good news. And I don't want to bore you with this story, you know it, but my mission is to bore you by rereading scriptures. So he opted for Rachel because she was more beautiful beautiful and lovely yofat to'er wifat mar'e it reminds you of Genesis chapter 3 with the fruits and Eve but again enough is enough from now on I'll just point it out to you if you're not willing to listen that's fine with me I am satisfied and happy otherwise we'll never end But this is how the text makes its own connections. You discover them and you see them. You do not make them. Let me repeat that. But theology became like this. You decide to make the connections you want. Like the Lord, the angel of the Lord and so on. And suddenly you start talking as the fathers did of Jesus appearing as the eternal Logos to Moses on the mountain. I mean, that is really ridiculous. How many times I keep telling you, watch out, if you make a statement whereby at the same time a Jew and a Muslim roll their eyes, watch out, recheck on that to see if it is from the Bible or from your library books. But here the text is very clear. He's preparing you, if you recall Genesis 3, to a story where the hero or the protagonist is going to be duped. And continues the story. And stay with me. 
Laban the cunning and you know, work and stay with me, eat and drink and so on, but he was using him. And then comes the real blow where they made a feast and so on and so forth. And in 23, but in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob and he went into her. Okay. Very important. And Laban gave his maid Zilpa, who will have a role later by having children, you know, that in the case of the two sisters, also some of the children came from their maids. But in the morning, he looks and he finds that it was Leah that was there and not Rachel. As to the meaning of the names, Leah has the root, the connotation of weariness, tiredness. Rahel actually is very important because it means the you, E-W-E. Remember, I made a lengthy comment on how the she-lamb that is slaughtered in Isaiah 6.53 is referred to in two words, one of them being Rahel, the mother, which prepares for the second part of the chapter where he says that my servant will make righteous many. It's like he is like the mother unto the others. And people should not be frustrated with that because Jesus uses this terminology when he says how many times as a hen would gather her chickens, I wanted to gather you. It's literature. And these are texts which you should use to explain what I mean by functionality. It's just, I'm a man and cannot be a hen. We know that. But God behaves like that. I'm merciful unto you more than your mothers are merciful to you. Okay? And this is understandable for someone who knows Hebrew and Arabic because the origin of the word mercy and mercy is the same root as the word womb. And how many times I say, a man cannot be merciful, and a woman per se as woman cannot be merciful. I know the North American women would shoot me, beginning with the teenagers. Oh, she's a girl, she understands mercy at 11. My dear friend, she doesn't have a womb, how she can understand mercy. And to understand mercy, how many times you heard me say this, you have to watch the history of Animal Channel and look at the tigress, how she cares and defends her cubs. The tiger and the lion do not do that. Well, then they need really to attend St. Vladimir's Seminary for three years to learn mercy. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Mercy is in the open womb that went through the shedding of blood. Read my latest book. I know after I die, people will miss my asides and they will say, enough with scripture. Where are your asides, Father Paul? Very important. So long, 
as you realize that they are not asides in the sense that let's move to another topic for the time being. No, I'm shedding light on the original text. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.